Another episode of The Night Shift, episode 27. My name is Mike Stubbs, along with Kyle Grimard. You can find Kyle on socials at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find me at Stubbs980. And you can leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you are a Knights fan, you can also drop us a note. You can email me at Mike at 980CFPL.ca. Let me know what it is that you want to hear. Any stories you want us to go back over, we can certainly do that. We'll dive into some history as we continue on. But right now, we want to deal with very recent history and the present of the London Knights. We're going to talk about a win over Owen Sound, 9-1, and then a loss to the Kitchener Rangers, 5-2. We're going to hear from Ethan McKinnon. We are also going to hear from Rick Stedman on managing odd numbers of players on benches. And George Diaco will fill us in on who he thinks has the advantage when a goaltender and a shooter know each other really well. This may have been proven as the London Knights took on the Kitchener Rangers because George Diaco, Ryan Winterton, and Ryan Humphrey were all facing their former Hamilton Bulldogs teammate, a guy that they won the OHL championship with and made it all the way to the Memorial Cup final with, Marco Costantini with the Kitchener Rangers. Kyle, you are a goaltender yourself. If somebody knows your tendencies, if you know their tendencies, where do you put that? Who has the advantage? Honestly, Mike, it really depends on the player. I played with a couple very high school skilled players when I was in junior. And, you know, there were a couple guys that were top two or three leading scores on our team that for some reason I could read their shoulders and where they were looking and where they shot the puck. And then we had a stay at home third pairing defenseman who for the life of me, I could not stop in a shootout. And, and it was, it's just the way things go. It depends on how you read a guy. It depends on how well they know you, but if you both are relative to each other often, you know, for me, at least in my experience, oftentimes it's the player that you wouldn't think would be as crafty as they are in the shootout. When you watch them in the game that ends up being a lot better at knowing how to beat a goaltender. And when there's an actual shooter, you know, sometimes the goaltender has their advantage because they know their tendencies and they're all about skill versus, you know, you have a guy who is a lot more well-known for physicality and hitting and simplistic plays. They can find ways to beat you left, right, and center because they've watched you play net. So very much depends on the, depends on the situation, but that was my experience. I had a third pairing defenseman who him and I were where he was the closest guy on my team, but I could not stop him for the life of me in a shootout. Well, we will hear from George Diaco on what he feels, and then we'll do some math on the London Knights and the Kitchener Rangers. First, though, Kyle, let's go back to Friday night because this was one of those strange games where 14 seconds in, Landon Hookie of the Owen Sound attack cuts into the slot and backhands a puck into the London Knight net past Brett Brochu. one nothing Owen Sound, 14 seconds in. Depending on how far back Knights fans can go, this happened in reverse to the London Knights in the late 90s, where Rico Fata, who had played the year before for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, scored 10 seconds into a game against Sault Ste. Marie, just blazed down the ice, scored one nothing Knights. Sault Ste. Marie scored the next 14 and beat the Knights that night 14-1. to So kind of similar in that we get a 9-1 London Knights victory 
all kinds of plus players and the attack Kyle seemed to be giving the Knights a lot of room to work. The Knights use their speed so well. Yeah. You know, that was one thing we mentioned on the uh, after show after the buzzer is, you know, London really had every opportunity to create plays at their will. You know, it was, it was almost like Owen sound was, was prepping for London to do something, but in prepping, it's like when a defense knows that the other team is throwing in football and then they go into a prevent defense, which then allows the other team to throw the football. And it was just, it was one of those games. And I don't know if it was a game plan that maybe wasn't executed properly, or maybe there was miscommunication, but it seemed that everything that could have gone right outside of the first 14 seconds of the game for London did go right. And you had guys like Ryan Winterton who tied the game up with a beautiful cheeky uh, top shelf short side shot coming down the right side. You had George Diaco had a really good game. Uh, you had, uh, I believe it was uh, Brody Crane who had a couple goals and he can absolutely shoot the puck, but Brody Crane took the puck into the offensive zone and was getting ready to look off a pass and then realized he had about six, seven feet of room and then kept going forward. And then he looked over and he still had that same amount of room and then ripped the shot in. And it's just, it's one of those games where you aren't normally experiencing that sort of luxury time and space in the Ontario hockey league of all leagues too. And to give credit to London, they took full advantage of it. And then you look at the end of the game, George Diaco goal and three assists. He was a plus five. On Friday night, Ethan McKinnon in his return to the Knights lineup. And again, we're going to hear from him a little later on what the rehab was like for him. He was a plus four. Logan Mayu, plus four in this game. The pluses were absolutely flying. And we had an opportunity to hear from Rick Stedman on, on what those little stats, because some people will take plus minus and throw it out completely I had a conversation with somebody a little while ago and they said you know what you need to do with plus minus you need to take it away for empty nets it shouldn't count for empty nets because that'll skew things a little bit but it is telling in fact the NBA look at the NBA Kyle they never used to talk about plus minus now they do it is still an important stat because as much as it's maybe a little more simplistic than some of the other advanced metrics you can go into it shows what happens when you're on the ice? Is a goal going in for you or is a goal going in against you? But here's Rick Stedman on what it can mean when a player looks down and sees something like a plus three, plus four. For some guys, it's huge. Um, it, it makes it where you, maybe you're having a tough year, plus minus, and right around zero, and all of a sudden you look at plus four, it looks way better. Or if you're just stuck in the single digits and it gets up to over plus 10, it makes you feel great. So you know you're helping the team whenever you're a plus, and the guys are, are really proud of when they are pluses. So it, it's just a great thing for them. The other thing the Knights were dealing with, Kyle, in working Ethan McKinnon back into the lineup was an odd number of players. And if we're going to look at simplistic numbers, it doesn't usually get much more simple than the way that lines roll in hockey. You've got 12 forwards, and the idea is you roll four lines, and four lines of three gives you 12. Nice, simple math. You've got six defensemen, and you roll through those pairings. And again, you've got nice... Simple math. It gets a little more complex when you're matching things up and when power plays and penalty kills come, but that's usually as simple as we can make it. The Knights had 11 forwards on Friday night because they wanted to use seven defensemen, not knowing how Ethan McKinnon would feel. He'd missed 16 games. He'd been out since November the 30th. So how do you work that 
as a coach. Well, here's a little behind the scenes from Rick Stedman. On the forward side, uh, the top guys like it. They always end up getting an extra shift out there. So when we had uh, the, the one last four there, McGurn's line was rotating in every other shift. So they got an extra shift there. Though They like getting out there playing. And the guys that are on that line, they like it. They get to play with one of the top guys on the team. Usually gives them a couple more chances, gets them going. And then on the back end, yeah, it's more of a, just a, a maintenance thing. We had a guy coming in. Uh, we didn't know how that was going to look, how he was going to feel. So we wanted to make sure it was safe and you don't get down to five. Seven's a lot easier than going down to five. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you then look and say, okay, these two have been out. Now, now I need to put this guy out with this guy. I mean, most of us would have to have a book of notes to make this happen. Yeah, it, it's more about uh, the matchups, who's going out on the other team. Especially at home, it's a lot easier that way. Uh, you can put guys in very favorable matchups that way, um, knowing that they're not going up against uh, the Pinelli line every time. you got a chance to go up against guys that are working their way through just like they are. So it gives you a better chance to be successful, and that's all you're always trying to do. And ultimately, it just gives you more bodies to match. It worked out well on Friday night. 9-1 win by the London Knights. And Kyle, with that, the Knights were feeling very good. But Sunday turned a little different. We'll get to that. We should touch on Owen Sound, though, because they finished up that loss. They went home on Hockey Day in Canada, which was happening in Owen Sound. All kinds of big personalities, all kinds of people around. And they ended up beating the Peterborough Peets on Saturday night. Not an easy thing to do. And then Owen Sound went out and beat Ottawa on Sunday. You could argue that's even harder to do. So Owen Sound finished out their weekend okay. It just didn't begin all right in London. It's so funny how like the parody in the Ontario Hockey League works because, yeah, you go in, you have an abysmal night on Friday. As you know, you know Owen Sound did not feel good after that game. Again, pucks were going in everywhere. You blinked. You you left your seat to grab a beverage, came back. The Knights had scored two goals in that time. And it was it was just one of those nights. Nothing was going right. Both goaltenders, for some reason, weren't having it. And then your mind resets. And we say this all the time in hockey. Sometimes the best thing that can happen for you after a, a really tough loss or a really big defeat is erasing it and going and playing and basically resetting the board the day after. And what does Owen Sound do? They take a 9-1 loss. They use it as motivation. They clear their minds. They go out. They get two big victories against Peterborough and Ottawa the next night. And now all of a sudden you look at the weekend and if you're Owen Sound, you go, well, we took two of three. That's not too shabby. Nope, that's it. And that's something that helps them. If we look at the standings right now, the Knights are three points back of the Windsor Spitfires for top spot in the Western Conference. But the Knights are kind of in two races right now. Top spot in the Western Conference would be nice because then you would avoid a second round matchup if you're fortunate enough to get there that would be a little bit tougher. I don't know. The West is not an easy place to play no matter who you're up against but that's usually the conventional way of thinking you win the conference you get home ice but the last time the knights won the memorial cup they didn't win the, the conference they didn't have home ice and they still won the ohl championship and they still won the memorial cup but the knights are three points back of the windsor spitfires as we record this on monday and they have a game in hand on windsor the other race that they're in is the division race with owen sound that's what made that win on friday night so big because that gives you that second seed 
And there's a lot going on below the second seed or the first seed in both divisions where you've got the Sarnia Sting surging. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen with a team like the Saginaw Spirit who haven't been putting together a lot of wins. But look at it this way. If the Knights had not beaten Owen Sound on Friday night, Owen Sound, who used to be eight points back, would have been four back of the Knights. And that's uh, that's getting a little tight. Right now, the Knights do have two games in hand, and they have a six-point lead on Owen Sound for top spot in the Midwest Division. So that became a really important victory on Friday night. Kyle, when we turned to Sunday, I was talking with Josh Brown of the Kitchener Record, and we were talking before the game just about you know what we might see that day. And I talked to him about the third game in two and a half days. And I said, somebody's got to break down the stats on this. It would take a long time. And he said, years ago, I did. I did break down the stats. And he said that it is overwhelmingly in favor of a team on home ice that is taking on a visitor playing their third game in two and a half days. I mean, it it was somewhere, I, I don't want to quote exactly because he was just going off the top of his head, but overwhelmingly in favor of that team getting a victory. But you also have to look at it this way, where you've got to match the intensity of the other team. And a lot of times the team playing three games in two and a half days, the Knights have done this on the road. They did it at the end of a weekend where they beat the Sioux Greyhounds to win three in two and a half. And that was on short sleep and a lot of travel. They'd arrived at 4.30 in the morning because of weather into the Sioux. Everything was working against them, and they ended up winning. And if you go out with a whole lot of intensity to begin a game and the other team doesn't match it, then you're going to give yourself maybe enough of a leg up that you hang on. I think that's what happened against the Kitchener Rangers. The Knights' first period was not what they needed to be, and it was not an intense period. Kitchener builds a 2-0 lead, and the Knights were walking uphill the rest of the way. Well, and that's exactly it. And you look at the end of the game, and, and London really pushed towards that third period as well. I think they had 17 shots on net. Marco Constantini was spectacular. He looked like the 2019 Hamilton Bulldogs version. You know, he was stopping everything. And I think that's what... Kitchener was looking for when they acquired him from Hamilton and they've gotten that over the last couple of games. Again, they, they had a big win against Ottawa earlier on as well after a loss earlier in the week to said London Knights. You got to remember that they played on Tuesday and London went into Kitchener into the odd and beat them seven, three. So this was also in the back of Kitchener's minds. Then they had a big road trip coming up and a big a three game uh, trip on the weekend. And for Kitchener to bounce back in that way, they go back into London and retake that victory. That speaks volumes. And I was also talking to a trainer from the Kitchener Rangers on Sunday, and he was saying that they really like all the pieces. They like the, the guys that they acquired. They like the guys in the room. They all get along. It's just a matter of it, things haven't just clicked yet. But he said once they do, he said that this could be a dangerous team. It can be. And they had a hard weekend. They played Ottawa. They played Sarnia. They played London. And they won two of three. So full marks to the Rangers. But their game plan had to be, let's go out. Let's win the first period. And then hope that your goaltender can hang on in the third period. That's sometimes the simplest formula for a team playing their third game in two and a half days. Marco Costantini did it. Now, before the game... Because remember, Marco Costantini was part of the Hamilton Bulldogs with the three London Knights who used to play with the Bulldogs. We asked one of them, George Diaco, who he felt had the advantage when it came to goaltender 
or Shooter when both know each other as well as those three and Marco Costantini know each other? I think 100% the goalie does. Um, I've been practicing with him for the last four years, and I think he knows every one of my moves, so I might need to change some up, but yeah, it'll be fun for sure. George Diaco says, hands down the goalie. Well, Kyle, let's break down the stats. George Diaco, two shots on goal, no goals. Ryan Humphrey, one shot on goal, no goals. And then Ryan Winterton, eight shots on goal, no goals. And two of the saves that were made off Ryan Winterton were massive, huge saves. Yeah, and you know, this is, we, we mentioned this at the very beginning, but I, I can understand the sense as a goaltender who knows the tendency of the shooter. Because when you're a shooter, you like certain spots, you like certain releases, right? Like every player has a different release on their shot. And, you know, every player has their spots that they like to pick. Now, the really, really great and elite players, and London's got a couple of them, but they've got probably two to three different spots that they like going. Maybe one of them's high glove, maybe one's low blocker, and then maybe five hole. And as a goaltender, you can read almost whether it's what side they're coming down, what angle they're on, or how they release the puck where they're going and oftentimes as a goaltender you can anticipate that and already be ready in that position and for ryan winterton and for george diaco who are both very skilled very gifted players you got to think that marco constantini knew the one to two maybe three spots that they like to shoot and he was all over it specifically to ryan winterton you don't just get eight shots on net and not one or two of them are, are, are good opportunities and constantini lived up to all eight shots and turned them all aside he was great, and the other part of what we saw from the goaltending battle does come from Brett Brochu, and we probably need to talk about the save that he made that may have oh. been the OHL save of the night if the Knights had been able to come back and win that game. The save of the night ended up going to Don DiVincentis of the North Bay Battalion, but the save that Brett Brochu oh, made... Here is Sop in the right corner to Francesco Pinelli. Pinelli sends one toward the net. Stop by Brochu. Rebound is there diving, Brochu! What a save! He robbed Leighton Moore! Oh. Unreal stop by Brochu diving across the crease. Desperation, Kyle, diving. Oh my gosh. I When I was in and around the arena, I was turned around and I heard the crowd start to, oh, like it was already going to go in. And by the time I turned back, I had seen, I, I had saw, sorry, a Kitchener Rangers player he with his hands up in the air as if the puck was already in the net. And then the replay showed and the crowd erupted, uh, taking away a sure goal. Brett Brochu diving from his right to his left out of desperation, using every part of his body to stop the puck. And it's again, we reiterate it's one of the best things about Brett Brochu and about any goaltender you can find that has this trait. There is zero willingness to give up on a play, even when it seemed like all was lost. Kitchener Rangers players are already celebrating the pucks in the back of the net. This was a 3-2 game, by the way, that London was only trailing by one, and this allowed London to at least stay in the game for the time being. But, man, what a stop. I love seeing that stuff from Brett Brochu. How many years has he been in this league and still will not give up on any puck regardless of the scenario? No, brilliant, brilliant save. And if Marco Costantini wasn't kicking aside 17 shots, maybe that game goes to overtime. Maybe that's the save that helps to bring the London Knights back. Two empty netters and the Rangers win it. We need to talk about a couple of other things, Kyle. One being Denver Barkey. He had a tremendous 
weekend. And it wasn't just stats. He had stats too, but it was dogged on the puck, caused a turnover in the Kitchener end that led to the Knights' first goal. That was tremendous. Early on Monday, he was added to the top prospects game, which will be played Wednesday, January 25th. He will be there alongside Oliver Bonk. So congratulations to Denver Barkey. He'll play for Team Red. And the other player that everybody's been noticing, and I know Captain Stinkpants, who listens in on After the Buzzer and is always great to give us his hungriest night, he pointed out Ruslan Gazazov and has been pointing out Ruslan Gazazov. And you picked up on something that Ruslan Gazazov has done in recent weeks. So, and again, this is one of those obscure things. I can also do this with uh, the NHL players too, where you could name a player and I'll tell you what number they are and what way they shoot. I don't know why. It's a weird thing that I picked up on. But I've noticed about three, four weeks ago, Ruslan Gazazov, changed the tape job on his stick. And what he went from was almost, you know, a three quarter heel to full toe. And instead of that has gone to that same three quarter heel, but has now gone to three quarter toe. So the part of the stick where you normally cover up the, uh, the full toe, which is the very end of it is now is no longer taped up. It's actually left open. So it's almost like a, a, a slot from three quarters, of the beginning of the stick to three quarters on the end of the blade has been taped up. And I don't know what it is, but over his last eight games, Ruslan Gazazov has six goals in that time. He also has two assists for eight points in his last eight games. He's already set a career high in goals with 15 and about a half the games he played all of last year. He's shooting the puck a lot more. He's also passing it and he's stick handling it a lot more effectively. This, uh, this sometimes is a mental thing, Mike. I picked up on it. I didn't want to say anything because I wanted to wait and see the results. And so far, the results have been great for him. Have they ever? Well, that's never a bad thing if you get Ruslan Gazazov going because he has supreme skill and you want as much of that in your lineup. That's why the return of Ethan McKinnon, that was big on Friday night, played Friday and Sunday. He had missed 16 games. We talked to him about how the rehab went. What was the idea going in? Seven defensemen are dressed. Were you just going to see how you felt all the way along? Yeah, sort of. I was just playing my game, play simple. Um, and I knew good things would come. Good things. Plus four. When did you see that stat line? Uh, to be honest, I didn't really know until I got a text from my grandpa after the game. I think two of them were a bit lucky. I just hopped on the ice, but I'll take whatever I can get. So rehabbing and going through the whole procedure, take us through you know, what that's like for a player and, and what kinds of things you do, how often you're in the room and how often you're meeting with people to see how it's going. Yeah, basically I'm still around the rink every day. Um, it's slow, it's frustrating, but uh, with our support staff here, Matt Bogart and them, uh, they're really good, and they got me back tip-top shape. Do you make sure you're still sitting in on video sessions and doing all that kind of stuff? Yeah, never miss a beat. Always always ready to play if I need to. Upper body means you can still ride the bike. Everybody who says they have a lower body injury, they'll say that's the worst. I don't know if you guys have a hand bike, but Dale Hunter always tells stories about having to ride the hand bike and how awful the hand bike is. So at least being able to stay in shape, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I'm tired of that bike. I don't want to see that bike more anymore this season. But, yeah, it was good. Yeah, back to normal. When you ride the bike, do you put something on your phone or anything to watch, or is it just kind of go? Uh, to be honest, sometimes I'd bring it out to the rink and watch practice while riding the bike, just 
something to keep my mind off what's actually happening. Close enough. You, of all the drills that you have to do that you think, oh, not this drill again, you're out there wishing you could be in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ethan McKinnon on riding the bike near practice because you weren't healthy enough to be in practice just yet. The number of miles he's put on that, Big, big. But now he's back on the ice. And Kyle, we'll be back later on this week to outline a road trip that we'll see the Knights go to Peterborough, Ottawa, and Kingston. Three games, three nights, and a high degree of difficulty for them. Yeah, you know what? And uh, a little bit of a road trip, too. We were talking about it. It seemed like the Knights have really been piling in a lot of home games lately. And it sounds weird, but sometimes home cooking and, and getting away from your comfort zone and getting away from home and going on the bus and traveling is sometimes just better for a team. And the Knights have, by the way, been spectacular on the road this year. There's something like 14 and three on the road. Uh, Jim Van Horn was pulling up the stats. And again, don't quote me on that, but. Oh, that's right. That's bang on. It's something along those lines. Where Best record been, in the league. They have been phenomenal on the road. And a lot of players do this too, where they love, sometimes they like going in and silencing the road crowd more than having the home crowd cheer them on. And I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's playing the underdog. It's playing the road. It's playing the bad guy. A lot of guys feed into that, which is a great quality to have. And London has done that superbly this year. We'll outline what Peterborough, Ottawa, and Kingston bring the Knights have not seen the Kingston Frontenacs in a game since before the pandemic. So we're talking early on 2019-2020. That was the last time that the Knights and the Kingston Frontenacs got themselves together. We'll talk about that later in the week. Again, leave us a review. Send us a question. Mike at 980cfpl.ca is probably the easiest way to do that. And thanks for listening. Kyle, we'll talk on Thursday. Yeah, we'll tee up some games. It's going to be a lot of fun. Go Knights.